Hello and welcome to night number 25 of 31 Nights of Frights. Year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 25 brings us to yet another Stephen King ABC miniseries event. It's one that I definitely liked back in the day. It doesn't hold up nearly as well today as what it was back then, even though I'm pretty sure it didn't look good back in 1995 either. But here we go. Starring Patricia Wedig, Mark Lindsay Chapman, David Morse, Dean Stockwell, and Bronson Pinchot, this is the 1995 Tom Holland-directed The Langoliers. The Langoliers tells the story of American Pride Airlines Flight Number 29. It's flying out of LAX to Boston. The Aurora Borealis is making a rare appearance over the state of California, and this seems to have caused the entire crew as well as passengers on Flight 29 to vanish. The airplane would have vanished as well. And come to think of it, the movie never really mentions about that. Either way, the Northern Lights caused this plane to go and get displaced in time. It sent the plane to an alternate reality, or time period, where everything seems artificial. There are a few survivors of this mysterious disappearance, as it seems that everyone who was asleep on this particular flight wound up making their way through. Displaced in time, and trying to make their way home. Before I get into it, the casting, I'm only going to talk about one in this particular instance, and that's the inclusion of Dean Stockwell. I don't know if they included him in this one because of the TV show Quantum Leap or not. It's kind of funny that he's trying to help Sam get home in Quantum Leap, yet here he himself is trying to get home. I don't know, I'm probably overthinking that one. I remember watching this one when it premiered. This was the miniseries that came after the Mick Garris directed The Stand, which of course, as we know, was excellent. Where The Stand felt like this big epic miniseries, even though it was on TV, some things were definitely TV-esque feeling. It was a very well-made effort. It felt big. It felt like it had a big budget for a TV film. The Langolier sadly doesn't feel like it has nearly as big of a budget. So The Stand was this big production. The Langoliers feels like a much, much smaller production. Sadly, it's not nearly as good as The Stand. I would say it might be on par with the Tommyknockers. In some ways, it's a little better. In some ways, it's a little worse. One of the worst things about The Langoliers is, for one, the acting. A lot of the acting is not all that great in the film. I don't expect much from a TV production, but some of it's pretty cringeworthy here. The most fun one for me is probably Bronson Pinchot's Craig Toomey. I like that he's incredibly unhinged. He's also probably one of the most unique characters here. And his backstory as far as his character, it's probably the best written, but he's one of the only characters here that really has a backstory and a motivation. We do get to hear other people's stories, but Craig Toomey, with how his father more or less verbally abused him, possibly physically abused him for getting a B on his report card in school, is a little much. 
But it's funny too, because in order to calm himself, he has a thing for tearing paper. It's weird to describe, but the fact that Balky from Perfect Strangers is here in this movie and gets relief from his anxiety by tearing paper into strips, it's pretty entertaining. As much as I like Dean Stockwell, he does annoy me in this film. Because he's a mystery writer, he must talk like he's in a mystery novel himself. David Morris and Patricia Wedig are fine in this film. They're not good, they're not bad, they just kind of exist. Of course, David Morse was also in the Frank Darabont adaptation of The Green Mile. It just feels like the characters aren't all that well written here. Their dialogue that they're given is not very good. It's, I don't know, amateurish feeling? The other big thing about this movie is that the special effects are incredibly poor. And that's what I was getting at earlier in my little intro to this episode. The special effects are probably some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in anything. The Langleyers themselves, they just don't look good. They look kind of like meatballs, flying meatballs, flying rocks with teeth that somehow rotate and they look like they're, I don't know, protruding yet retracting at the same time. I know they're supposed to appear threatening, but they do not appear threatening here at all. It really is hard to believe that... These things, if they're appearing to us as they're appearing to the characters in this film, that these things are threatening at all. They're kind of like big brown Pac-Man or something, and they're just munching the entire world away. I guess that's scary in its own right, considering this alternate reality and universe or wherever they're at. This whole alternate place where there's no other people but them, and the Langoliers proceed to eat the world away. I guess it's a creepy moment, creepy feeling. They just look really bad. The other huge misstep is the fact that Stephen King always has to have some sort of psychic connection, some sort of character that has that psychic power. It's usually somebody with a disability, almost to give them a one-up because they lost something or they may not be as intelligent, say they're mentally disabled, something like that. In this case, it's the character of Dinah. She has a psychic connection to Craig Toomey. She more or less controls him. She gets in his head. She goes and sees things that he sees. And it's just a little too over the top because I've been watching a lot of Stephen King films and it seems to appear quite a bit in these movies. I also know that it appears quite a bit in his books. This isn't actually something new that annoyed me about Stephen King. It's just, it's becoming more apparent, specifically because I've been watching so many of these. There's always some kind of psychic link and connection. I wish he would use a different plot device. I know why he uses it. It's an easy way of doing things. But how would I have changed that for this movie? I don't know. I don't know if I would have wanted to include such a thing, but then why would Craig Toomey wake up? after being knocked out. I know it sounds like I'm hating on this one, and I'm actually really not. I still enjoyed this movie, even with all of its faults. I enjoyed it back in 1995. I have also enjoyed my various rewatches over the years of this one. It's actually a good story. I don't like some of the elements of it, but the overall concept of it, where you're in a plane, and all of a sudden, the entire crew and passengers, they're all vanished. You have no idea what's going on. What caused this? 
It's actually something I think about every time I go onto a plane. I think about the Langoliers. I think about the short story or the novella, because it is longer than a short story. But I always think about what if you're flying in a plane and you wind up crossing over somewhere where when you land, it's not the same world that you were in before. When you cross over into different time zones, you're either going forward or backwards in the past. This movie plays with that idea, but in a much larger, grander scale because everybody is 15 minutes behind and then they wind up getting forward in time as well. Overall, it's just a really fascinating idea to me. So I lied, I don't just think of the Langoliers, I also think of the first Final Destination film. Yes, I'm not really scared of flying, but yet I'm kind of scared at the same time. So earlier I said about the world that they land in, that it's almost fake. We never really get a good explanation for that, but I did like some of the concepts such as when they walk, they make no noise and it's almost like a hollow thud. There's no real noise in the airport itself. Everything is silent to them. There's no smells. There's no tastes of anything. Everything is just fake and doesn't seem to actually exist. I guess it is pretty cool that the only noise that anyone really hears is they hear the impending doom of the Langoliers coming their way. This one is directed by Tom Holland. I think it's probably one of his weaker efforts as far as the films that I've seen directed by him. Tom Holland has directed a film that I talked about earlier in this 31 Nights of Frights that was thinner. He also directed Child's Play as well as Fright Night. Of course, this film had to have a Stephen King cameo, which it does. I forgot that King actually had a cameo appearance. It's always welcome and fun to see him show up in these adaptations. Overall, I think The Langoliers is a pretty good adaptation. You just have to make some serious reservations when you watch the film in order for you to enjoy it. If you don't have proper memories like I do as far as watching it when it aired, you may not like it nearly as much. It still mostly holds up for me even if I did point out some of its flaws in this episode. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights, there's four years of 31 Nights there. Or if you want to catch up on my weekly podcast throughout the year, Adam Analyzes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends for that matter? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. With that being said, remember, be kind and good night. I'll see you back here tomorrow for night number 26.